Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. And right now, we have a guest on the show who we often have on, talking specifically about crime, but I had no idea until this morning that it had ever touched him and his family so personally, knife crime especially. And it's Stephen Breen, who is crime editor of the Irish Sun newspaper. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning. So tell us the story then of your family and your dad especially. Basically, it was in 2002 that my father was working in London. At the time, um, he'd, he'd been there for about a year, just towards yeah, the middle of 2001. He'd been working as a scaffolder. And at that time, um, my, my mother, both my, my brother and I, sorry, were, were growing up at that stage. And we were both working and leading our, our, our normal lives. And my mother had been going to London every four, five weeks um, my father was enjoying life in London. He he, he had a good job there. Um, both of my, both my mother and father really enjoyed living in in the city. Or so my father did. But my mother was going to visit them. They they had friends there. They had family not too far away either. So you know, it, it was a good time. Um, they they were looking forward to the future. They had talked about London. They, they how much they enjoyed it. You know the vibrancy of, of London and how they had because of the job that he had. They, they were thinking of of setting up home. In London and leaving Ireland and, and staying in the UK, but uh, but that all ended in in August uh, 2002. You know when my father was involved in, a, in an altercation on his way home. He'd, he'd been out with his friend. Um, he was on. They were on their way home. Two other individuals. There was some kind of argument erupted, uh, some verbal clash, and then there was a scuffle. And during the course of the scuffle, uh, my father was stabbed in the chest, and his friend was also stabbed in the leg. How then did you and the rest of your family find out back in Ireland that this was going on? Yes, yeah, so I was working in, in Ireland at the time. I was working as a journalist in, in Sunday Life a newspaper in Belfast, and I, I remember just that that night. It was a Saturday night, and just getting a receiving a call from my father's friend to say, "Stephen, listen, there's been an incident. Um, your father has been stabbed, and they're working on him uh, at the hospital at the moment." So. I'll be be in touch again, and obviously, when you hear a call like that, you, you're it's so hard and so difficult to comprehend because number one, he's in a different country, so it was just really hard. You know, what's he going through? What's happening? You know, just in, in terms of getting an update to, to see how he's doing. You know, and, and Stephen, were you the first to be told on this side of the water? Yes, yes, I, I was. Yes, when he phoned me, and then so I. And he phoned my mother straight after me, so I, I went down to her house, and we, we we just waited at my mother's house. And then, unfortunately, the, the second call came through to my mother's house. I answered the phone, and it was my father's friend again to say that he, he wanted to tell me this rather than have the police call to the door. And he just said that, uh, "Listen, I'm sorry, Stephen, your your father didn't make it." You know, which was obviously horrific news to, to receive for any family. So your dad, Tom, was gone just like that. Yes, like stabbed in the chest. So it's not something any family can be prepared for. You know, there are, I'm sure there are many of your listeners there who've suffered loss through violent actions. Um, it's just when someone else's actions cause a loved one to, to lose um, their, their life, it's, it's a lot more and, difficult than normal. And Stephen, so hard. what do you remember of the minutes after that devastating news? Do you remember anything of it? 
I, I do. I, I can't forget it. Oh, I just remember at the time receiving the call, I remember just embracing my mother uh, and my brother. I then remember, uh, you know, going into autopilot. I said, right, you know, I don't know where I got the strength from, so I had to go to my grandmother in Belfast and inform her that her eldest son uh, had, had been killed in, in an incident in, in London. And then we had to arrange flights to go to London on the Sunday morning, so my mother and I travelled to London. That's where we dealt with the, the authorities in London. That's where we had to go and identify my, my father's remains. So I remember you know, meeting relatives at, at Luton Airport as well, who were living in Birmingham and had come down to to be with us. So I, I remember it quite well in the immediate aftermath. So what I had to do and then what we did and then before coming back to Ireland then to uh, arrange a funeral. We're chatting to Stephen Breen, who's crime editor of The Irish Sun, and he's written about this, about his own family's experience of fatal knife crime in The Irish Sun and the sun.ie. Now, um, there was a lot in your previous answer. Just take me back then to having to tell your grandmother that your father, um, her eldest son, had been killed in such a tragic way in London. Yeah, as soon as we had heard the news... Um, I knew my, my friends had gathered at our house at that stage. You know, word started to filter out. So I wanted to be the one to, to tell my, my grandmother. I didn't want her hearing from someone else. I didn't want, you know, the police calling to her door. To, you know, she would be shocked about this. So it's just something that I, I had to do. So I, I, I drove to Belfast with a friend of mine. I, I called to her door and I, uh, she brought me into the house. And we just sat her down and she was with her. My, my aunt as well. Catherine was there too. So... I just had to break the news. I mean, obviously, the, the guards do this all the time when they're dealing with families. I don't know how they do it, but I just had to get the strength. And I just said, Granny, I'm really, really sorry, but I have some devastating news. And I'll never forget, she just started to scream and, and just collapsed to the floor. And, you know, we had to lift her up. But it, it was better coming from me. And then she, she wanted to give me a hug because she was worried about me. As You know, as, as that was her first thought. It wasn't about herself, even though she'd lost her eldest son. It was about me and, and how I was doing because I, I'd lost my father but it was just yeah, very, uh, a very very traumatic time and one that I don't think about uh, too often yeah. um, You mentioned the police did they end up coming to the door as you put it? No, not and obviously because it was the, the PSNI because my, my mum was living in the north they, they didn't come to the door right. so they didn't because we'd already known and then obviously we'd been in touch with the police in the UK so they, they met us um, when we arrived in, in London and then we had to go and identify my father so it, it wasn't that knock on the door it was a phone call we received some families receive a knock on the door in the middle of the night we received a phone call from my, my father's friend in London somebody he'd been working with so that's where we got the information from um, and I'm, I'm glad of that there because it was, it was more personal rather than have the police call to the door What about identifying your father's remains in a strange city? being in, in the car um, with two policemen in the front, my mother and I in the back and being brought to this, this morgue which was in I think it was it's North London but St Pancras I think you call it, I just can't quite remember that but I remember going up the steps to it and then my other family members arrived and then it was our job to you know, go into this place, this cold this cold and uh, really grim place and then uh, it was in a there was a window, there was a window frame there and pane of glass so I, I, we had to do it through a pane of glass we couldn't touch them we couldn't hold them or anything so 
we just had to do the formal identification there. But thankfully, we had other family members there to support us when doing this. And again, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. But uh, but we, we managed to get through it. Yeah, and then getting him home for burial. Yeah, but on, on that occasion, we, we had to wait um, five weeks. That's, that's the, the UK law. The investigation continued. It's just in case they had made an arrest and the, the, the suspect had requested a second autopsy. But you know, that's that was the, the UK law at the time. So again, that was a very difficult period. I don't remember too much about those five weeks. I just remember going for walks most day because it was, it was in the summertime in, in September, August, September. So when we when we finally got him home, so but it was a very long five weeks. But again, you're supported by community there, by friends, by family who are calling to the house yeah. every day, and you have things to arrange. Yeah, and that's uh, it. And Stephen, of course, it's such an un-Irish thing to wait that long to lay someone to rest. Of course it is, but you know, we, it's, there was nothing we, we we could do about it. But even the, despite that, you know, people were still there supporting us, and, and that's I think where. When you're when you're from Ireland, I think that's that's important the way we remember our our loved ones. And even though we had to wait five weeks, people were still calling to the house from all over Ireland every day of the week. So uh, I'll never forget that support. What age was your dad when he died from this terrible crime? He was only fifty, so he he was a young man. So he was, and um, yeah, he he lived through the troubles. He he he'd lost friends during the troubles in the north. And um, for him, like you, just, you just don't think this can happen to you. And obviously, the person who, who did this went out that night armed with a knife. And they obviously didn't realize, you know, maybe when they go out, they have the intent that they realize I don't, they didn't set out to kill someone because the police said it was an unprovoked attack. There was an argument involved. Unfortunately, maybe alcohol was involved as, as well because my dad had been to a few pubs. If he hadn't been drinking, maybe he could have been able to defend himself better. We don't know. But regardless of that, a knife was produced and it was used during the course of an argument. And what happened to the guy who stabbed your dad? Well, he's never been prosecuted. Um, the police in the UK had identified two suspects and they were two brothers. Um, it was unfortunate because in that area of Camden, there were some witnesses they just who just saw a scuffle, and, but they were hard to pick out any individual. Now, the police did receive a letter um, naming two suspects and the police are satisfied that they are the two suspects. They weren't hardened criminals. Um, they, they didn't have form for violence in the past, but they, they just they didn't have the evidence. But, you know, we're, re, we're reassured because the investigation is still ongoing. They'll be looking at um, other exhibits, I think, from the case. There are DNA advances. So, like, you just never know. I don't hate the, these people. I'm conscious now that if they had been charged it probably would be with manslaughter they'd probably be out of prison now um i don't i don't think about them but i, I think if you do take someone's life then you, you should be punished yeah. for it but Stephen, this is almost 20 years ago and you're still waiting for justice yeah look there are families out there worse than me there's families you look at for example a family i've interviewed many times that sandra collins a young woman who's missing for 20 years now um god help them that they, they can't bring their, their, their sister and their, their daughter home to be buried. She was murdered and, and is buried somewhere. So I'm just glad that we were able to... We, we do have a grave to go to. Some people don't, don't have that. But some people can wait 20, 30 years for, for justice. And I have written other cases where, you know, cases have been solved down the line. So I just, you, you just never know. You just, you just have hope. You just never know what could happen. 
We're chatting to the crime editor of the Irish Sun and Sun.ie, Stephen Breen, who's often a guest on the show, but he's talking about his own experience and his family's experience of devastating uh, knife crime. Um, I mean, did your mother, did your grandmother, have you ever really gotten over this? It definitely through the passage of time for me, and everyone is different the way the way they deal with grief. That, that is a fact. Thankfully, for, uh, for me, I met... Uh, my, my now wife in, in 2007, and I have two children, so that's my focus. That's the future. I know that's what my father w- would want. Um, he would want us to be to be filled, right, consumed by hatred for the people who did this. I, I don't hate them at all. In fact, I feel sorry for them for what they did. It took a very long time for my mother to come to terms with this, for someone who had been married for 30 years lived through the troubles and then to lose her husband in such a violent way. But she has now uh, moved on now. She has met someone else in, in her life. She's now married. He, he's, he's a fantastic uh, man, so he is. She's very happy now. And I think that's what my, my father would want. So, But again, every family is different. and Every family and every individual reacts to it differently. So thankfully for, for me, I have two children. My, my son, who's also called Tom, was actually born on the day that, of my father's death which is, I find incredible. So that's, that's reassuring really for me to have a bit of but, hope. But all the things, I mean, what sort of relationship did you have with your dad, Tom? It's great that you called your son Tom as well, and that, that is an amazing coincidence as well. Um, and, and how much have you missed out on in that relationship? Oh, I mean, when, I, when this happened in 2002, I, I think back to a year later in 2003, I'll never forget it. And that was Celtic Football Club were in the UEFA Cup final. And that's, that was my father and I's team. We used to go to the matches together all the time. You know, we could have gone to the, the, the pub to, uh, from time to time as well. Obviously, we, we had disagreements or arguments like every father and son. But, you know, he, he was an ever-present part of our life, you know. And I think going to Seville and sitting there in Seville with his brothers, it, it was difficult not having them there. Um, Christmas time, birthdays, you know, my brother's wedding. My, even even my, my kids won't, don't have a grandfather. So they don't, and they've never got to meet them. So there are things like that that you do think about. But I, I just try to be there for them and to be happy for them because you know that that's what he would want. Yeah. And finally, Stephen, was it the spate of knife crime and the real worries about it, particularly in North Inner City, Dublin at the moment, that prompted you to write about this and to talk about it to us? Yes, I think a number of factors there, Joe. One is that when I was... Um, when we decided to do this campaign to raise awareness of knife crime and to hopefully try and do something positive because of the opportunity that we have working for a paper there, we have the platform to give people a voice. Now, when I interviewed Lorcan O'Reilly's mother, Jenny O'Reilly, Lorcan was just 21 when he was stabbed by a juvenile in 2015. And what she spoke about was education, about the importance of reminding people in our society of the consequences of knife crime. And she did that by telling her story. And I thought to myself, look, I've also experienced knife crime, so I thought it was incumbent uh, incumbent on me to um, tell my story. Again, like Jenny O'Reilly, in the hope that if someone reads it, they might think, okay, I can have a conversation with our, our kids, not to go out with knives, but also to remind people that there is an obligation on the various agencies to address this issue for a long-term strategy and to show the devastation that it causes. And all I did was articulate my story mm. from 2002, even though it's long ago, in the hope that it might help someone. That, that's, that's the rationale behind that's, it. 
Is this why you're a crime journalist? Well, I was a journalist at the time um, in, in 2002 in Belfast, and certainly I, I've been dealing with you know hard news, as you might say, a news journalist. So, but definitely, um, when you experience something like this, I, I, I feel as if I do have more empathy uh, with families who've suffered loss through um, violent actions, and I think it's definitely helped in terms of the people I, I, I represent and, and I, who I work with and highlighting what they've gone through. And I just think it's important to give people who've lost loved ones um, uh, a voice. It could be for different reasons, for justice or for to pay tribute to their loved ones. So, so that's why it's, it's definitely important to me. Right. Well, I'm genuinely sorry for your trouble, Stephen. Never knew that that no was, was in your background. That's, that's, uh, that's really, really tough. A very difficult thing to live with, no question about it. Uh, but no, listen, thank but thank you very much for talking to us. And also, I know this campaign, as you say, um, uh, against knife crime continuing in The Sun and uh, thesun.ie. So we appreciate your time this morning. That is crime You're editor welcome. of uh, The Irish Sun, Stephen Breen, talking to us about a deeply personal experience. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.